and today's election results are no just kidding um, <laughs> we are not talking about that but we got some really cool guests here today and so i'm going to do quick introductions and then we're going to get into our normal countdown so going backwards let's go liz nicole introduce yourselves what are you talking about today and where you're from and then we'll get to brad and bob nicole always goes first all right, so hi everybody, I'm Nicole France, one of the marvelous cadre of analysts at Constellation Research. And today we'll be talking about a few things related to customer experience. And then uh, right, if, if Nicole, Nicole and I always tease that we're the T in Constellation because Nicole looks at CX as the team sport across everything and I just dive bomb right into marketing, right down the middle. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So hi everyone. Excellent. Brad, where, where are you going to talk about and where you're from, calling from? Hi, uh, Brad Killinger. And uh, today we're going to be talking about knowledge workforce management and the power of big data in this ever changing uh, environment that we're living in. And uh, thank you for having me on. And I'm uh, here just outside of Dallas, Texas today. All right, Bob. <laughs> So Bob Stutz, uh, and I'm going to talk about whatever you ask me at the end of the day. <laughs> Open Q&A with it, Bob Stutz. As long as it's controversial, Atlanta. that's all I care about. It's got to be controversial <laughs> or I'm not talking. Uh -oh. right place. I like it. Uh -oh, and uh, uh -oh. I'm, uh, I'm uh, calling in from a little village called Inzel, Germany, which is on the Austrian border. All right. And we got my co-host, Bala Afshar, and then we'll end out with Elle, and then we'll, jump, we'll pop out. Hi, everyone. Bala Dallingen from Boston. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. All right. I will do the countdown. Three, two, one. Hello, and uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us on Disrupt TV. My name is Bala Afshar. I'm the Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce and your co-host for the next hour. Uh, we welcome you to join us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Send Ray, myself, and our distinguished guests your questions using hashtag Disrupt TV, and we'll do our best to answer them live during the show. It's my pleasure to introduce uh, my co-host. He's the CEO and founder of Constellation Research. He is the best-selling author of Disrupting Digital Business, uh, Create an Authentic Experience in a Peer-to-Peer -peer Economy. He is a regular contributor to ZDNet, Harvard Business Review, and often seen on television, business, and technology news like Fox Business, Yahoo Finance, Bloomberg, every day he's on TV. In my humble opinion, he's one of the top followers on Twitter at RWANG0. Welcome, Ray Wong, to Disrupt TV. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm here with Vala Ashar, as you know, one of the top people to follow on, <laughs> on Twitter. You can catch him at um, CIOs, CMOs, Chief Digital Officers, CEOs, all follow him for his inspirational advice on Twitter. But more importantly, you're seeing him a lot as well, speaking on business TV, keynotes around the world, um, very, very important places. And more important, he's an author himself and a great friend. Uh, but before we begin our show, I want to thank our sponsor, Robots and Pencils. If you're looking for really good design, if you're thinking about thinking outside of the box, mobile Salesforce development. If you're thinking about customer experiences, um, check them out uh, at Robots and Pencils. So, who do we have today? What's going on? Hey, how's it going? How you doing, Brad? You know, it, 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 we're so fortunate because we get some of the best and brightest CEOs in the world to join us, and there's no exception today. Brad Killinger, CEO of Sapiens Analytics. Sapiens helps companies understand how time is being spent, how software is being leveraged, and how processes can be optimized to improve results. 
Today, Sapiens is used by more than 90 companies in 18 countries worldwide with over 1 trillion, that's with a capital T, work hours <laughs> analyzed today. As CEO of Sapiens Analytics, Bradley is responsible for execution of companies' global strategy. Brad has passion for helping customers succeed and is driving force behind Sapiens' aggressive global expansion efforts. Prior to joining Sapiens, Bradley served as key global leadership roles at several major technology companies you may have heard of, like IBM, Oracle, and Unisys. You can follow all the work that Sapiens is doing on Twitter at S-A-P-I-E-N-C-E. -E. Welcome, Bradley, to Disrupt TV. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me today. My pleasure. Our pleasure. All right, so we all know work has completely changed, massive overhaul of how work's happening. And this is the biggest shift since the Industrial Revolution. And then we add a whole bunch of other chaos on top of it. But <laughs> this is changing, but a lot is actually going to move on. And, and we're actually going to see that some permanent changes that actually are solidifying some trends. Let's talk about those trends and some of the things that you've been seeing and share with people like what's going to stick and what might not. Yeah, so so look, I, I, I believe that we're kind of in the midst of one of the largest overhauls of work that has occurred in, 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 in our lifetime. I know in my lifetime, if not maybe ever. The reality is, is the disruption of, of COVID, uh, it sent hundreds of millions of workers um, to home over the last you know, six to eight months. Uh, there's no end in sight. I know we're joking in the green room a little bit about you know, the pandemic and, and when this will end. Who knows? But what I do believe is, is you know, all of this uncertainty, it, it is forcing economic uncertainty onto a lot of um, a lot of companies that are really being forced with making mm -hmm. some very difficult choices. Business models are being reconfigured right in front of our eyes. I mean, I read the paper and see about jet engine makers that are making ventilators. I, mm -hmm. I, I've read about shoe manufacturers that are making masks. Um, you know, I think companies have a whole slew of questions in front of them about, you know, which which jobs are going to stay remote, which jobs are going to go into the offices, what are they going to do with, you know, in terms of their whole strategy. Um, you know, I've always found it very interesting that prior to the pandemic, you know, every company had these amazing disaster recovery plans, whether it was a, a hurricane or a terrorist attack or anything in between. But I, I think one of the things that we saw was that companies had no plan for kind of a pandemic of what would happen if hundreds of millions of people had to go you know, work at home. And so I strongly believe that moving forward, boards are going to, you know, not just ask to say, hey, what, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to mandate that companies have these as best practices. And I think that, you know, ultimately companies that are going to embrace this and understand that there's a wholesale change, that they need to rethink about how are they managing their business? How is that work getting done? How do they think about a distributed workforce, et cetera? The ones that are really thinking about this right now and taking action are going to create significant competitive advantage moving forward. So I, I, I think this is both a scary time, but it's also exciting time because, you know, our, our customers, we're watching many of them transform in fr front of our eyes, which is advantageous, not just for the shareholders, not just for a manager, you know, not just for employees, but I think everybody has an opportunity to benefit that's going to require all of us accepting that and, and and trying things a bit differently moving forward. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, over the last uh, few months, we've had senior executives from the biggest companies in the world. Uh, we had uh, Chief uh, Innovation Technology Officer from Accenture, who has uh, 273,000 people working for him out of the 505,000 company. 
And he thought there may have been five years of culture and digital transformation just in the past three, four months. We had the senior executive from McKinsey covering the North America practice said 10 years of e-commerce in the last three months in terms of adoption of new technologies. I was uh, delivering a keynote with the uh, Canadian Chamber of Commerce and uh, these are parliament members who are you know, responsible for oversight for all of the businesses in Canada. And Canada went from 9% employees working remotely in March to 60% in April, literally 5 million people shifted overnight. My company of 55,000 moved to work from anywhere construct literally overnight. Yeah. So we're talking about you know, workforce transformation. We're talking about digital transformation, using technology to help stakeholder success, like you said, employees, customers, partners. How does your company guide clients when you have all these vectors where the velocity, the speed and direction of change is just unlike anything we've ever experienced? How do you, how do, you do that? How do you guide these companies? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it certainly, it's, it's very tricky. Um, I would say digital transformation, you know, and my definition is really about enabling change and, and, and ultimately about a company's ability to adapt and, and, and thrive in kind of the new world. And so, you know, for us and our piece of that is, is really being able to understand work activity and organizational capacity is, is, is going to be more important than ever moving forward. I mean, you know, so, so let's just start at the employee level. Our, our fundamental belief is that employees are under enormous stress right now. Mm. They're working longer hours. So, so when you joked at the beginning of this that we're sitting on, you know, a trillion hours of, of, of anonymized information, you know, we are absolutely seeing, and, and in many of our customers, where employees are working almost two hours a day more. Now, wow. and that seems like, hey, you know, r really interesting you know, maybe that's good, but, 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 you know, they're doing this in the face and we have to be cognizant. They can read the newspaper. They, they're, they're seeing headlines. I mean, people feel that there's job uncertainty. Uh, one of the things that, you know, we're even seeing inside of our business is around burnout. So, so you, the facts are, is you, you can't keep a team running hot at a 150% above capacity. I mean, that was probably okay for the first 90 days of the pandemic we're still seeing these trends move on. And so, you know, number one, without having the right digital transformation and the right information, you don't even know this information. And you have to be able to understand where that is and be able to then make corrective actions for the long-term health of an organization. I mean, so if you look at what, you know, we're doing at Sapiens Analytics, we're really giving, you know, organizations the ability to aggregate thousands of data points, you know, in an automated fashion um, from every corner of their organization and turning that into actionable insights that can help, you know, really hit home to understand your employee engagement, understand where hidden capacity exists in your organization, understand where future investments are going, yeah. um, you know, and so, you know, I'll give you a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna give you, you know, one case study. So one of our customers who it's an 11,000 person financial services company, it was really, really interesting is they, um, you know, have, have found that they've had, you know, by being able to take this data and trying to actually cap the amount of time, but to get people focused on the right activities, they, they found a 30 minute improvement per employee on kind of the core work that they want. 
that that's translated to them to almost a hundred thousand extra productive hours wow. per month. And, and 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 that's a that that's an awfully big swing, and that that's a trend we're seeing. And the only other one I'd I'd put out there is around um, software. Is that we're we're having a number of our customers that when they were in an office and they break down of kind of like you know their hundred software packages, what were the top five? That's flipped upside down of what they're using today versus what they were using in an office environment. And I think you have to have this type of real-time insights, understand where do these investments have to flow when somebody's at home now, those 5 million people in Canada, what are they using to be effective, to collaborate, to continue innovation, you know, et cetera. So. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and one of the challenges people keep asking about really is workforce analytics. Like, is it new? What is it? Is that ERP? Is that a little bit of CRM? Where does it fit? Um, it's not exactly something that's a household name. So let's talk a little bit about what that is. And, and I also want to talk about the uh, level of ambience, right? Because when you have to enter information, that usually doesn't work very well. But when things are being captured in the background, that tends to actually do much better. Yeah. So, so let me... Um... So, so first of all, it's not a household name, but I truly believe in the next two to three years, it's going to be a household name. So, so there's several prominent analysts, investors that this is a multi-billion-dollar, you know, industry that's forming. Um, it's forming. Uh, obviously, COVID has kind of accelerated that, you know, for us. Um, you know, remote work, in my opinion, is definitely here to stay. Uh, remote work and remote management is different. So, I, I think it involves a, a different kind of thought process in terms of, you know, um, how you're going to approach that as an organization. And, you know, I, I often like to use the analogy of, of, you know, the new way of working is, is going to involve a lot less gut feel and a lot more reliance upon, you know, data and analytics yeah. to be successful. And by the way, contingent workforce is growing at a breakneck speed right now. Uh, most companies, it's anywhere around 30%. You know, we're seeing trends that's going to go higher. So that means you're only going to have more distribution of of, 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 of that workforce to all corners of the world. And so, um, you know, I'd give a great example is, is one of the reasons when I agreed to come over and, and run this company, that, and it's really been a passion project of mine, is you talk about how do you bring, you know, for example, a CRM system to life. And and. That's one of the major benefits of, of, of what we're doing. And, and, you know, so, so as an ex, you know, major global sales leader at, 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 at Oracle, I got used to get so frustrated with 600 people and you'd go, is the data ever right? And how do you forecast accurately, et cetera. And systems like ours automatically capture that data. Imagine how powerful a sales force and an Einstein is when you don't have to rely upon somebody's interpretation, you have the facts in the field. Hey, this is how many times they communicated with the client. This is how much time was spent on phone calls, et cetera. And, and, and by the way, think of the hours you free up when you get people out of having to do a lot of you know, manual data entry. So, 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 so I actually think you're going to see a convergence between technologies like ours and that CRM and ERP world to where you can have this automated data capture that is just going to populate it. And that's, that, yeah. that, that's extremely exciting to me and has been a vision we've been on and, and, and going after for the last, you know, three plus years. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Before joining Salesforce, I was a chief customer officer responsible for global services and customer support. So uh, measuring effort 
and measuring engagement activity to ensure a, a service level agreement conformance levels would, would have been amazing insight that I didn't have at my fingertips. Or when I was chief marketing officer, understanding how we engage with stakeholders when the, when the lead is at the top of the funnel going through the seven stages before it potentially becomes a closed one lost deal, understanding yeah. effort along the way um, and outcomes would, 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 would be a beautiful thing that I didn't have. So I, I see tremendous value, especially uh, the blind spot that businesses had pre-pandemic, which was uh, appreciating the power of decentralization. And now we're in a decentralized digital only so in the absence of a healthy, trustworthy culture, how do you ensure that you have, you know, the best, most effective, like your poster said, how do you not run a business based on guesswork? Um, and, 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 and so you're a CEO of a, a large enterprise global company. You have workforce that are in the U.S. and international. Yeah. Uh, my sense is you must use your own technology oh, yeah. to improve your own uh, productivity and output. Can you talk a little bit about how you manage the business using your own technology and how that translates to your roadmap and how you guide your clients. Yeah, so 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 we have had. Um, uh, I mean, number one on the technology for us is is we we're, we're religious users of what we yeah, of what we're doing. We eat our own dog food. Um, drink your own champagne. Drink your own. Yeah, champagne. yeah, or drink our own champagne. I, I like that analogy much better. So, there's there's you know so so. This has been a very valuable tool for us. Number one is is you know like like any company you know we're, we're adjusting. Employee engagement is critical. You know continuous innovation is everything. Maintaining the culture that we're trying to build at the company, and and so you know by being able to look at that factual data, we we know with certainty. I have a weekly weekly leadership team where we're constantly looking at our support, our services, our engineering teams, et cetera. And we're doing that comparison around, you know, are, are they running too high? Where are we going to make our next level of investment? You know, where are the areas where we have opportunities to potentially get more? And 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 so I think that that's a, it's a very, you know, fair and, and, and balanced approach that's helping us really navigate and make a lot of, um, a lot of good decisions, um, and 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 as we get further into our next generation product, right now, you know some of the really interesting features. So we've invested, you know, heavily in, in building out our AI and machine learning layer, and and so we're now we're now gathering even enough data on our own organization where we're applying those algorithms onto it, wow. so we can start doing future forecasting. We we can start seeing what are these trends, where are we going to have gaps, and so it's it's a you know, it's very helpful for us. Um, you know, but but like all companies, we're we're going through a change just like them. That you know, keeping the engagement, keeping everybody motivated. I mean, I I kind of feel like I'm on a field trip today. I I left my house for a rare occasion and came in to do this from our offices. It's empty. We're not going to open until March. I mean, there's there's still an element of work that you can't accomplish over a sure. Zoom. That you know, you need to go look someone in the eyes and have that personal interaction. So, you know, we're trying the best we can and, and and we are doing some cool things, which I'd love to point to is that, you know, on a weekly basis, I, I have my own little TV show called Coffee with Killinger. We talk about <laughs> awesome, a huge awesome. array of topics from, you know, like the challenges of kids uh, at home during COVID to, you know, family members to, you know, how they're managing with multiple income families to, you know, fun things like Halloween. But we're doing that to really try to keep people feeling connected and to learn about fellow employees 
you know, we're doing virtual happy hours. And then we actually have an experiment uh, coming up. So, so we, we have a really strong customer advisory board um, and, and, and they really help, you know, help us enormously with shaping our company and product. Awesome. And, that. and so we haven't been able to meet now for, it's been almost 10 months. And so we're doing in the next, uh, or in early December, we're doing a, uh, a virtual advisory board, but we're, we're hiring a, and I'm going to get it wrong. So I'm not a drinker or I don't drink <laughs> tonight, but a, uh, the, the consomali uh, or whatever, the, uh, the the special wine taster, but we're going to ship three bottles of wine to everyone's house. Oh, with cool. Some and so a good idea. Into, I know someone else who did that. I got yeah, last yeah, so, last week. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're going to ship it in and, and kind of let them feel like expert wine tasters. That and, is and awesome. Try to help keep them cool. engaged with our company because, you know, frankly, yeah. we're not too proud to, to you know, we want all the smart people that will help us be successful that we can find out there. So. Bradley, you're, you're doing what all exceptional CEOs that have come on our show, and that is you're humanizing the business by making yourself available, um, showing the non-work side of uh, a business leader. And ultimately what you're doing, and I find that incredible um, with CEOs that I admire, you're giving your staff permission to recognize that more than more so than ever before, work-life balance is not work-life integration. <laughs> I mean, you get up here in your office. So, so to have a CEO have a coffee talk and talk about Halloween, you can't imagine the power of really building trust and loyalty commitment with your team by doing that. So I applaud you for that. That's amazing. And if you ever have outside guests come, Ray and I love coffee. So if you ever need, you know, someone to come in. It would be an honor to not only to, to have you guys on, and and, and, and I, I will follow up on one point is I, I think it's really important. One of the things that we're seeing from the data is, is, you know, for other leaders out there, encourage your people to take time off. I know they're not going to be traveling to Hawaii or whatever, but, you know, I know in our company we are really pushing this because we, we need folks. Use your PTO. Go, go spend three days in a nap or whatever it is because right now people hey, are working too many hours. All right, Brad, real quick, just before we go, Plano, Texas, uh, yep. we see a software group coming up there. It's, it's one of the centers where we see other software companies. Tell us what it's like and what the software community is like in the startup community. Um, so it's a really vibrant market. I mean, we, we are benefiting greatly right now. We have incredible diversity moving here from all corners of the country. Um, I mean, our, if you look at the population trends, it's been unbelievable. We're we're, we're stuck right in a, a center. I've lived here now 13 years, and this used to literally just be a highway. And now I look out my window, and I have everything from 12,000 J.P. Morgan workers to, you know, to tons of startups. And and I, I mean, it's a very vibrant area. And so we're really thrilled. And we intentionally, when we put our corporate headquarters here, we wanted to tap into that talent that we thought we could find That's awesome. and, and it's coming. So we've got a really good base of people to choose from and, and a really high quality of life. So, so well, thanks we're a lot. Awesome. We're here with Brad Killinger, CEO at Sapiens Analytics. You can follow him at Sapiens, S-A-P-I-E-N-C-E. And more importantly, hey, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you Thank so much you for having me. me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. You were terrific. Thank you so yeah. much. That was awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, Analytics uh, is, is, is important uh, across all business. And speaking of experience and one of the you know, gurus of, of, of industry, uh, Bob Stutz, President Engineering and Operations at SAP Customer Experience. 
As president of engineering and operations, SAP uh, customer experience, Bob's responsible for overall SAP customer experience product portfolio, engineering development, and support functions. An industry veteran with over 25 years of experience in leading business applications development for high-profile technology companies, Bob is a believer, believe, believer in harnessing the power of experience economy to fuel business transformation. Prior to SAP, it was I was gleaming with pride and joy to call him a colleague. Bob was CEO of Marketing Cloud and Chief Analytics Officer at Salesforce, where he led all aspects of the company's marketing cloud business, including product strategy, product management, marketing, engineering, and distribution. Prior to Salesforce, he was corporate vice president at Microsoft, where he was responsible for defining the long-term strategic direction, as well as development and delivery of on-premise and cloud versions of Microsoft Dynamics CRM world. So this guy's touched every CRM where hasn't he worked? company <laughs> in this space. In addition to his decades-long career in the enterprise software, Bob led a 22-year distinguished career in the U.S. Army. We salute you for your service, sir. Uh, you can follow his work and his vision uh, on Twitter at Guru of CRM, G-U-R-U-O-F-C-R-M. Welcome, Bob Stutz, to Disrupt TV. Hey, Vala. Thanks, Ray. Great to see you guys. Great to see you as well. Cool. Well, today we're going to talk about, uh, you know, Austrian construction and German construction uh, capabilities. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about anything, everything. Um, don't, but, don't, don't, but, give me, don't get me started on, on your. I didn't want to get you wound up too early. At the end of the day. <laughs> I didn't want to get you wound up too early, but uh, <laughs> I've, I've overheard. Uh, how's that? Um, but hey, you know, look, there's something shifting, right? And you've been a harsh critic of just CRM, software, companies, right? It's a trait about something that you have. It's really about like, what can we do to actually change and shake up this industry? And I thought we'd use this time in this platform and say, what's next? Where do you see where we should be going? Yeah, I think, you know, when I, uh, you know, look, I think there's too much complacency in this industry, right? I think people become complacent, right? You know, it, it's sort of normal. You make money and then you sort of think you're on top of the world and you you don't have to think differently. You tend to think you know everything and you don't really, you don't, you know, search for those answers and for those new products and services that can be built, right? And I, you know, it's always been the thing for me, right? Is you have to push harder, you have to keep looking, you have to figure out how to do things better and, and really give customers the stuff that they need in order to run their business better at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So the people that I know that know you, uh, you have a reputation of um, fixing things. You have a reputation of discipline. You have a reputation of um, inspiring people to stretch higher, get out of their comfort zone, uh, but be accountable. So there's an element of radical transparency that's used when people describe working for you, with you. And with 22 years of U.S. Army experience, I'm wondering what leadership traits do you look for when you build your team? And wherever you've gone, you've built a team. And most importantly, people have come to you. Uh, you, you tend to have an incredible loyal uh, army of folks that work with you and, and admire you as a person, as a leader. And with respect to those traits that you look for, how do those traits help you shape your vision when it comes to creating a beautiful, meaningful experience which now you're tasked to do with one of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I have to say, uh, you know, 
it, it's it's all about team at the end of the day, right? You you know, no one person builds great things. No one person does you know those amazing things at the end of the day. It really does take a team. And and you know, my belief in team is that you know, first of all, I I typically have a, a habit of hiring people that nobody else wanted in the industry. Um, <laughs> I find people that you know, are rebellious who, you know, most people will say, oh, they're hard to manage, um, you know, um, because I'm a firm believer in, in, in rebelliousness, right? I, I believe creativity comes from being rebellious. Creativity does not come from being a conformist at the end mm. of the day, right? Look at the creative people in this world, right? They were all rebellious in nature, Right, pushing the limits, trying to do things differently. Um, you know, my whole life has been about rebelliousness. Right. Anybody so who knows me knows that that's a fact. The, they have the courage to speak truth to authority. That's right. <laughs> when I define rebellion in terms of business world, do you have the gumption to stand in front of a CEO and say, "I don't believe this strategy is the right strategy for our company," or "I don't believe the product is as good as we think it is"? You know, just. Speak the truth. I, and radical it, it, no, it, and, and it is about transparency, right? It, you look in this, this life is too short to, to keep your mouth shut and, you know, and not say when things are wrong or when things need to be improved to speak up and say it. Right. And, and it is about transparency. Right. And one of the things that, that I believe in is that I don't believe in holding anything back from people. I don't believe in secret meetings. I don't believe in, uh, you know, any of that kind of stuff at the end of the day, right? It, it, when you're in, you know, like you said, I, I've, I've sort of been labeled as the fix-it guy, right? And uh, and uh, it's it's sort of true in a way. Um, By the way, that's the highest know. compliment. You know, I'm an engineer. Uh, you know, well, I, I went to school, undergrad, grad engineer. I'm not sure if I can say that based on my recent work. But uh, to, to have someone that can stabilize and fix and improve, that to me is a superpower. Uh, not too many people have that capability, in my humble opinion. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, it's, it, it really is about, you know, it, you know, it takes a special type of team to come in and turn things around. And you need people that can think independently, who can challenge you, right? I mean, I think about some of the great people that have worked for me, uh, you know, Jujar Singhs, Bill Patterson. I mean, I can go down the oh, list, great, great, you know, Param Kalan, who's the chief product officer of UiPath, right? I mean, these are guys who have worked for me for decades and I, you know, and and there's many more out there who, you know, and, and I think, you know, it's about teaching people to, to, you know, look, this business is about not accepting the, the, sort of complacency, not accepting the status quo, right? You always have to push harder and harder and harder. And yeah, I have a bad reputation for people think I push a little too hard sometimes, which is is probably true. Um, but, you know, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, as a, as a person, you, you need to have your limits pushed. You need to understand in order to be a good leader and, and, and a visionary, you need to push. You need to push your limits. You need to know what you can do. You need to know how far you can stretch yourself at the end of the day, right? And 
And and look, I, I you know, this business is is a hard business. And I, you know, in the military, I mean, I had a pretty tough military career for 22 years and and I learned a lot. And, um, you know, and, and the one thing that even in the military taught me was people who think differently are the most important people. Right. And I mean, look, I've been a rebel my whole life. I dropped out of high school when I was 16. I joined the military on my 17th birthday, spent 22 years, um, you know, I, I'm not an engineer by trade. I taught myself everything, right? You know, uh, you know. Look, it, it, this, you know, it's not about your education. It's not about your. It's really about people, right? It's amazing the people you find who, who you know, may not have gone to Harvard or to Stanford or to you know some top-notch engineering school, but boy, those people are really. You know, they can be the best architects, engineers, leaders, right? They think differently. They want to do things differently, right? And and so, you know, for me, it's always been about find good people. You find good people, you, you teach them, you, you guide them, you know, and sometimes you direct them, you know, and but nowadays I've mellowed out quite a bit. So I I'm, doubt I'm, that. <laughs> That, that hunger in your belly hasn't gone away. I don't. I don't Let's talk about mellow out here. I mean, I mean, but, but look, look. Okay, so I, I, I've wanted to brainstorm this conversation with you. I probably should do it like you know, like midnight my time, nine in the morning your time, right? But but the question really should be like, let's go start a brand new CRM company. What would that look like, right? Um, like, do we give away the software? Do we capture all the network information? Do we get installed as many places as once and 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 run a data play? I mean, like. What are some of those radical things that, that you can't do at this moment? You're constrained because you're within the system that someone should go out and build because it'd be pretty wild. Yeah, well, so. uh, you know, look, I, I'm 65. I'm, I'm, you know, I've you're been doing this a long time. I'm still young. <laughs> I, I, you I like it. He keeps his hair short and he's got the cool. Uh, I would have said 45. I would have never guessed 65. <laughs> Awesome. Good for you. Wow. It must be the air and the skiing and all the good, healthy diet. Yeah. And an 11th month old baby. That's the other thing that keeps me going. You should be gray all over. Thank you. We need a whole other Disrupt TV on how to be an amazing parent and keep that youthful energy. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I think, look, you know, when I think about the new world of software, right, I don't think it's new ideas. I think it's actually taking ideas that were developed actually decades ago, but the technology wasn't there, right? And people used to make fun of this stuff, right? I I remember, you know, guys like Paul Wall talking about fluid software. Oh, yeah, fluid right? software. Right? I mean, think about it. You know, the, the concept of fluid software it is really has come to fruition with microservices, right? You know, now the orchestration of microservices still isn't where it needs to be. There still needs to be better technology. I think Microsoft has come a long way with Orleans and in, in their ability to orchestrate, you know, services. But, but, you know, if you think about the future of software, it's not about, you know, it's not about applications. It, it truly is about microservices and it's about microservices that can be compiled on the fly, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about the old concepts of business process, right? 
you know, some of those companies in that day that tried to to make business process orchestration, right, where the whole concept was you had a set of, you know, decomposed services that could be you could pick, choose, you know, bring them together on the fly and define your enterprise. Right. It never came about because the technology wasn't there to do it. Right. The technology just didn't allow you. You didn't have the cloud. You didn't have what you have today. Right. And even a few years ago, I mean, you know, because the concept of federated cloud and how do you how do you go across the federated cloud at the end of the day? Right. I mean, it's only now that you see the concept of, you know, federated cloud and things being able to work together in a seamless way coming to fruition. Right. And and so when I think about that, I think about, you know, the future is going to be about services. If I'm the CEO or, I, you know, first of all, I don't think you need CIOs anymore in the future because it's about business process. I think, I you know, look, I, I, I think what's happened in this industry is there's too much, uh, you know, and I hate to say this because I have many friends who are CIOs, but, but, but I think, you know, the days of that have to change. I think the, you know, which is, you know, you see some companies starting to go to, you know, chief experience officers, right? right? Where they, they start to take the experience, right? It's about the experience you want to provide. Right. But I think, the problem is this software is not designed like that. But if you get to a point where you can have, you know, microservices that can be compiled on the fly, can be orchestrated, right? And I, as as somebody who runs a company, I can go in and say, hey, I, I need to do warehouse management. I need to do distribution. I need to do finance. I need to do, you know, I need to do a lead to cash or I need to do a, a lead to opportunity, or I need to do a, you know, sell to order, right? Whatever it is at the end of the day, I should be able to pick and choose from the best, right? Yeah. I want a JDA microservice. Want, I want an SAP microservice. I want a CRM right. service. Hit this. I mean, this is the, all that infinite ambient orchestration that, we we're talking about, right? I mean, that's right. And, that, that's, and so. by the way, it needs to be compiled on the fly and you need to have, you, you need to have a UI that is dynamic in nature, right? I mean, it, most UIs still suck today, right? UIs are, it, it are very static. Computing. Yeah, no, I, it, 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 it truly is coming to the age of, of spatial computing, right? Because you need that type of uh, dynamic sort of presentation, right? But, but I do believe the future is, is about that. The future is not about the same old shit that's being done today. Sorry, every once in a while I slip on the language stuff, you know. That's okay. <laughs> okay, we're not that's a 20 to, delay. We're going straight through. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the no 20 FCC here. That's the that 22 years. That's the 22 years in the military coming out every once in a while. Um, but you know, it's true though, right? If you think about the future, right? And, and look, I, you know, I, I never badmouth competitors. I never badmouth, right? I, I Look, I, I think every software has great things to it, right? Whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Salesforce, whether it's, you know, um, you know, SAP, it doesn't matter, right? All companies do some really good things with software. But I think, you know, in the, in, in the world of software in the future, the walls between companies have to come down. The enterprise is a heterogeneous place. 
But it's, it's not that today. Yes, it's heterogeneous, but it's a freaking war zone in the enterprise today, mm. right? And, and who loses in that war? The customer, customer. loses in that war, customer. right? It's, it's not the customer who wins, right? <laughs> because you're always pushing what you think is best, right? Even though you may know it's not the best, right? You know, and look, you know, if you think about some of these companies that, that build software today, I mean, look, SAP, when it comes to back office, ERP, supply chain, right? Amazing stuff, right? Test of time has survived, right? You know, you think about, you know, some of the other stuff on the front office, commerce. I mean, you know, most people don't know that SAP has the largest commerce platform in the world, you know? 568 billion in GMV, you know, that's, that's almost twice the size of Amazon, but most people don't even realize that at the end of the day. Right. And, and so when you think about it, and then you look at Salesforce and some of the great products that Salesforce has, you know, and, and Microsoft with some of the things they've done, you know, especially around service and IOT and, you know, and, 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 you know, as a customer, I want the best of all that. Right. I don't I don't want to have to have a fight. I don't want to have to have vendors come in and, you know, you know, give me expensive dinners and bottles of wine and everything else to, you know, to, to get their their product into my company at the end of the day. Right. I think that whole system has to change. Right. I think because nobody wins in this system. OK. Yeah. People make money. Well, people you can get an profitable. app store and charge 30 percent. <laughs> you could. I, I mean, you, you absolutely could. But even that model doesn't work too much anymore, right? I mean, you know, it's uh, those it's, kind of models are starting to die as well, right? It's amazing you to, when I listen to you talk because, um, you know, all these pearls of wisdom and you built greatness at these companies you mentioned. When you mentioned a Microsoft or a Salesforce or an SAP, you've left your footprint and your legacy in all these companies. At the same time, I'm trying to get the picture of you changing diapers out of my mind. Because <laughs> I'm like, he's going to be thinking about the future every day. As you share as a father to a young one, thinking about what the experience will look like 10 years, 20 years from now. So who are your heroes? Are you outside of our industry, do you look at Elon Musk? Do you look at Jack Ma? Is it even a business person? Like, who do you look for? Bezos? Like, who are the people that you think have the right mindset when it comes to no, you know, I don't look at, I don't look at, uh, you know, I have to be honest, there, there aren't many people in the software industry that I look at as being sort of heroes, right? I mean, look, I've been very fortunate in my career. From the very beginning, having mentors like Bob Epstein at Sybase and, and Tom Siebel and David Schmeier at, at, at Salesforce at, at, at Siebel and, you know, and Ed Abo, who is one of the brightest guys in the software business I've ever, you know, close friend. And, 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 and you know, Peter and, Lim. oh, my God, what a combo. Those two. Like what what a combo, him. right? Him him and Peter Lim. I mean, those two guys. Yeah, and Peter Lim, you know, what, a, what a genius, man. I mean, that guy's like three steps ahead seriously. of you, like three steps ago. I mean, it's horrible. But, but I've been very fortunate <laughs> to, to have those kind of mentors, right? And, you know, and, and when I was at Microsoft having, you know, had a lot of, you know, Great time with, you know, Bill Gates and 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 having, you know, the wisdom uh, of Bill and, you know, and, and Satya and, 
you know, and, and my friend, Mark Benioff, who, you know, I love to death, you know, even though I know he's not going to be able to buy any more towers for a while, because there won't be no publicity in towers for a while anymore. Never bet against towers, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so but, are, you know, I, I, you it, but I like General McChrystal, is it like folks? No, so, you know, I, I, worked for, I, I worked for a general for quite a long time. His name is General Edwin Schultz and, and, you know, oh, yeah. and, and he, uh, you know, he, he really taught me because, look, I was, uh, I, I mean, I'm still a little bit on rebel. the <laughs> rebel side, but, you know, conformity's never been my big thing in life, right? And uh, most people- all evil. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> it truly is at the end of the day. But, uh, you know, but, so. you know, he, he always, you know, he, you know, he taught me that you know, it, it doesn't matter, right? You can do whatever you want in life. You can, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you, you know, your past is. It doesn't matter what your education is, right? You know, that you can do whatever you want, right? And and it's it's really about pushing yourself, right? And it's the and, 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 and really it's, it, it is about working hard and, and enjoying what you do. I have a passion for what I do. Right. Every morning I get up and I love what I do. Right. Even changing the diapers. Hey, look, I, I apologize. We're going to have to go. We've got we're almost out of time, but we're here with Bob Stutz, master diaper changer, master CRM, <laughs> president of engineering operations of SAP customer experience. He's worked at every one of the major CRM vendors uh, and more importantly, uh, a longstanding filler, pillar of CRM. By so. the way, what I would pay to go back to changing diapers, my, my youngest is 10. And I love those years. I love those years. Hey, hey, 30 my, years from now, Mama, it's free. They'll take my, care of it for my you. My oldest daughter is in, in grad school at Purdue studying agri-science. And, and I have to tell you, like, I, I'll take a baby any days over any the problems. Day. That's <laughs> my oldest turns 18 on Monday, and I'm telling you, I wish I could go back in the time machine. But anyway, she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't walk yeah, any of my shows, awesome. so I don't have to worry about what I say. <laughs> Bob, thank you so much for being on the show. I'll thank catch up with you, you over the weekend. So thanks, guys. Take care. It was thank great. Thank you, thank you very much. Congrats on the uh, closing take of the care, deal. So. Thank you, thanks. sir. All right. What a legend. Bye. What a, yeah, he yeah. is the legend. And, uh, you know, this you is know. great. We've got two more legends showing up. And uh, as everyone knows, this is uh, sponsored by Robots and Pencils. If you're looking for design, design experience, uh, please check them out. I'm so, the robot. All right. I'm the pencil. <laughs> The All new right, robot and pencil. The robot and pencil. Tracy would Weiss, love you. Nicole <laughs> so. France, Vice President, Principal Analyst, Constellation Research, focusing on digital marketing, sales effectiveness, customer experience. You can follow Nicole on Twitter. Awesome follow at LN France, L N F R A N C E. And we have Liz Miller, Vice President, President uh, Principal Analyst, Constellation, focusing on business demands on today's CMOs, the evolution of customer engagement and the rising requirement for a new security posture that accounts for threat to brand trust. Posture. Awesome follow again. Yep. Uh, we only have people that have awesome Twitter profiles on our show at Liz K. Miller, L-I-Z-K-M-I-L-L-E-R. Welcome, Nicole and Liz to Disrupt You. Welcome What's up, Yeah, thanks. Always <laughs> nice to be here. You know, we always enjoy it. And we get you to- know Bob Wait, we got to, we got to follow Bob. <laughs> 
cursed on Disrupt TV. Can we just talk about that news item just for a second? That Bob, is that considered cursing? I mean, is that really considered cursing? I, I, I consider it more of like an emphasis. Like I don't really I think, agree. But, but he also kind of killed the CIO, which I'm just like, oh, dang, that, that happened. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I, there were things I was anticipating there, but killing the CIO was not one of them. But I think it's kind of like killing the CIO is kind of like the same thing as killing the CMO. Like you didn't actually kill the person with the title. No. You just kind of killed the title and shifted the person to like a yeah, more yeah. strategic you seat. massage the role. Right. Yeah. Like it was like, we're just rebranding the CIO, which we had, I we, kind we of spoke to, We spoke to Kim Stevenson, who was a former CIO at Intel. And she said, there are no IT projects. There are only business projects. And I think that's right. what he was trying to say. Is that no, totally. Dead on. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are so, no marketing projects. There are no CX projects. There are customer projects. Right. Yep. Or they're yes. data projects. Yeah. Or they're yeah. workflow projects. Or yeah. they're automation projects. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for all the CIOs watching, we still love you. Okay, take a deep breath. <laughs> we just got rid of our audience. Uh, we're right. starting new. It's all right. It's all right. You Bob still loves you. But I will tell you, that interview with Bob totally, like, I... When Bob said he was in the military for 20 years, I'm like, okay, so this is why Bob thinks the way he does because Bob thinks left a bang, right? So it's that it's that mindset shift of don't follow the problem, try to look before the oh I'm gonna I'm gonna be Bob I'm a channel Bob. Look before the oh shit moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it totally makes sense, right? That's how Bob's like like, like I get it now. I think that's how you get labeled a fixer. I think the most of the best fixers I know have that anticipatory muscle built so that yep. they can yep. build into the design to avoid oh the, God, the best fixers I know are all in jail. Even better if you can begin to address some of the here and now problems because you're thinking about what that future oh shit moment is going to yep. be or the next two or three down the line. And you're actually building your way towards solving or alleviating those problems before you get to them. Right. He's Hashtag the Ray of enterprise. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it, but, but that's but that's like that has been the theme of 2020 for anyone, right? Like right. the theme of 2020 for CMO has been, oh shit, I got to get it out in front of that, right? Like, oh, there's a pandemic coming. Oh gosh, I've I've heard of this thing that might be happening, and CMOs were thinking about it in February. Right. They were sitting oh, there yeah. in like in February going, oh, God, we got to like we better get out in front of this. And the other group that was thinking about it in February was the CISO. Right. While the CIO was in there like, oh, God, how do I get everyone computers? Like, let's be real. Like there was a lot of sausage making mm -hmm. when it came to remote work. And so they were just like, how, how do I get everyone to work from home? The CISO is like, I got to get out in front of this. Like, I got to be out. So I got to be out the to, front line. You have to think of first, second, third place in terms of CX heroes of the pandemic, the last ten months, or or CX heroes of 2020, let's say. And yeah. I would say for in the U.S., ah, really, that one. sense of urgency was end of February, March. So it was probably the last eight months that really changed things radically. Who is it? Who are the heroes? Who, is, is it the chief revenue? Chief oh, man, there, there are so many. There are so many. many of them, Bala, and they're they're all coming from in, in some cases, maybe even unexpected places, but just picking up on what Liz was saying, I think there was a huge number of people who just stepped into the breach, right? And I we saw that particularly in customer service. I think there were a lot of organizations where mm. absolutely everybody up to and including senior executives were suddenly on the front lines dealing with customers because they had to, they absolutely had to deal with that. And I will say, I think that was a hugely educational moment Wow. For a whole lot of folks who have not gotten their hands dirty with dealing directly with customers on that scale in a long time, 
I think we've so, seen so it. So there was a realization that customer service can't be a department when you're in a crisis. Everyone it, is, it is customer it, service. It, that's it. Yes, that is it. That's what you're doing for your customers. And in a lot of cases, that's been the place where you've been able to maintain those customer relationships. Interestingly, I think sales is another one because salespeople had to adapt dramatically, mm. right? We don't yeah. sell the way we used to because we don't have the same tools, yeah. you know? And, and things have changed, communication mediums have changed, but so has the style. And I think so has the process by which salespeople really get to understanding what their customers' issues are and helping them to yeah. address them. And, and that, that way of addressing and building trust really quickly is actually a major, major shift that I think we're going to see over the long term as well. Prior to, the, I, pandemic, I had, prior to yeah. the pandemic, I had never met a sales professional that closed a six, seven, eight digit deal without ever spending in-person time with the client. Like it, never, ever. And now I know an army of right. sales yeah. professionals that were able to sell but six I would, in digit deals without breaking bread, right. golf course, you know, shaking hands, hugging, whatever, you know, whatever you do. But I would also venture to guess that that whole group stopped thinking about sales as an individual category of like, I'm going to go do this thing and here is my process and my operations. And I would say that a lot of the heroes that emerged, especially as this pandemic has been going on, have been those that have figured out exactly what Nicole talks a lot about, right? Which is that this is a team sport, that it wasn't just one person. It wasn't just sales that rode in and saved the day. It wasn't just that service rode in and saved the day or even marketing or security. It's really that people started to figure out who those unlikely animal friendships needed to be and really started to lean into them, right? So we started to figure out that, yes, the lion and the kitty cat really do have to play nice together. Like, hey, let's go get a sloth and a, you know, it's like, how do we get everyone together, right? So I think that, you know, 2020 really taught us that we had to stop dealing with our own BS about cultural don't touch my button Yep. And we had to actually make sure that wow. we weren't thinking of, could we be the hero? It was, how do we make the customer feel like they're the hero, that they got through it better? And it wasn't by telling them what we were in it together, right? So mm -hmm. when you talk about the heroes, it was those marketers that figured out that, hey, let's stop the shiny, go grab every messaging tool du jour of we're in this together and everyone's life. It was people who lived their brand message and lived their promise. And we're like, no, we're getting through this together. Like, I'm going to strap on the wagon. I'm going to pull everyone with me and who's coming along for the ride. And I think that's where we saw really interesting innovations come through where marketing started partnering more with service to get to the data because they realized the data is the embodiment of the customer. Totally. Yep. So that's today. That's kind of where we are today. Tell us what it looks like in 2021. We have this conversation six months in. What's your guess? I think we're going to see people looking at their customer data differently. And I think that one of the most central aspects of this, uh, it's something Liz and I both talk about a lot, which is not just looking at trends, not just looking at composite personas. We're talking about looking at actual individual people understanding what individual customers are doing and building customer groups around where there are like behaviors and similar patterns. And I think it's that understanding the real customer as opposed to understanding a trend line that actually becomes critical. And I think we've seen that this year. We've seen the buildup to that because if you weren't if you weren't listening to what really mattered to customers instead of telling them we were all in it together, you absolutely missed the boat. Yeah. So I think what we're going to see next year is much more 
thinking about that and much more focus on the kinds of tools that help us to do that more effectively. And also, frankly, how to use the output of that insight really effectively. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think one of the things we're going to see in 2021 is a shift in how executives think of technology. I think we've been able to kind of ride this wave for the past several years of organizations being going, you know, executives going to a vendor and saying, okay, what do I need to do to transform? What do I need to do to be innovative? You know, I know that certainly happened in marketing. It certainly happened in security too. And that's how we've ended up in a place, especially in security, where we have security operation centers that are so over-tooled that they're actually creating more friction and more work and more headaches for security analysts. And when you have a headache at a security analyst level, you're going to have a massive headache on an operations, a marketing, a sales, like it trickles down fast. So I think we're going to start to see this real streamlined approach of not what do I need to go and address that new issue? Like, oh my God, ransomware. Oh, like it's the biggest thing. Ransomware has been around for a really long time, folks. Like this is not a new conversation. How do we address it faster? How do we actually get so that we can go from the operational tactic to the strategy of driving growth and, and finding new opportunities. Same thing goes for data. Stop looking in the rear view mirror. I'm gonna stop talking about data as this weird like apology metric. And I keep I, I keep thinking of like all the things that our colleague Doug Henshin talks about when he talks about data to decisions, yep. right? And I think we talk a lot about data to decisions, but marketers have kind of been stuck in this rut of like data for apologies. Like I'm gonna go look at my data and then apologize for why I spent all that money. And it's like, no, we're done. We're like done, no more, stop, stop. It, it's, forward, like, it's about looking forward instead of post-rationalization. Exactly. And that's really a significant, but very important shift. But and I, and I, I think it's gonna change that dynamic, but I think it's gonna focus in on the tools. And Nicole talks a lot about this. It's the yeah. tools about how to get your teams to work the way they need to and they want to work to give that better service to the customer rather than trying to get your people to learn new tools every 10 seconds. Sure. It's, it's about it's about the work environment. It's about the speed. And interestingly, picking up on something Bob said as well, I think it's actually about a different take on relationships with vendors. Mm. Because, you know, let's face it, like going back 15 or 20 years, if you were going to do a, a selection and evaluation, it was all about the RFP, all about checking all the boxes, all about the different functional capabilities and credit worthiness and all this kind of stuff. I, I think we're increasingly getting- And the wine box in the dinner. Yeah, well, exactly. Definitely not the best big dinner. Um, but, but I think what we're increasingly getting to is, a, is an environment and a world in which what matters is having the kind of relationship with a vendor that you know that they are there to support you as yep. you are trying to meet your objectives. So relationships that's still matter. Uh, relationships yeah. matter more than ever, but in a different exactly. way. And, and there's been a reckoning in the marketing to advertising agency dynamic. So that CMO to agency dynamic where it used to be, you know, agencies and, you know, some of the ones that are now gone because they used to do this behavior of like, no, trust us. We're spending your money totally well. It's, you need to spend this much money. That <laughs> dynamic is gone because marketers and agencies have both realized there's a different strategic imperative and there's a different relationship. And if I was to look into 2021 and look at that prediction, that's going to start hitting software vendors really fast because oh, yeah. we're Very starting fast. to see Very the fast. positive change that that dynamic shift has made in the marketer to agency dynamic, that they're now a strategic partner. Now the CMO is going to be looking at their, their technology vendors and saying, listen, I need to increase revenue. I'm going to do that by looking at my marketing costs, which are very similar to my selling costs. So if I'm going to engage with a customer, 
What is my MarTech cost that goes into the cost of engaging with that customer? And I'm telling you right now, the vendors that don't know how to answer that question, you're going to have a real ugly 2021. Oh yeah. I think, I think we're seeing the same thing on the revenue side as well. So anything that's touching revenue generation, what is increasingly being referred to as revenue optimization, all that stuff becomes much, much higher priority. It's started to already, but I think there's a, there's a part of that equation that is very much value for money. And it's not quite the same as a return on investment kind of calculation, but it's how quickly and at what low sort of price point can I get to the core capabilities that I really need to make some significant improvement on my top line and hopefully address the bottom line at the same time. My last question, I was glued to my laptop for two days last week, Constellation Connect Enterprise, <laughs> 10th anniversary. Talk about building relationships, about three, 400 best and brightest, most influential executives across all industries, sharing and learning from each other. Nicole, you had a mixed extended augmented reality, virtual reality session. You have creativity, innovation, sustainability, and making customer experience a team sport. What an appropriate discussion based on what we just uh, talked about with Bob. And 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 Liz, uh, post-pandemic lesson learned in terms of density as a business model, the future of cities, extraordinary panel, and then the art of marketing. So you had fantastic sessions, but my question is, what's that one really beautiful aha moment uh, for you based on last week. And I'm sure it's hard to narrow down to one. Uh, for me, like listening to Alex Osterwald, there was, you know, you know, just, oh, always let's go to Liz first. Uh, so yeah, Liz, so listen, what my, my aha was that we finally forced, well, Vala in the networking area um, of CCE to admit what was going on with the um, and the mysterious disappearance of the lemons. So that was my big aha moment. But from the content, um, I got to say, um, hearing the density panel talk about shifting their thinking to a strategy around rather than looking forward and saying, okay, this is what I need to do to get to my end goal yeah. of thinking about that situational awareness and planning against situation. That was a big aha moment. Cause I think that's something we have yeah. to carry post pandemic. And, and it was travel, entertainment, uh, sports, telecoms, so not density and diversity. Yeah. All having alignment in terms of their vision. No, that was very cool extraordinary. I, I think for me, it probably has to be cursing for Vala, the next iteration of asking for Vala. Um, but, Official uh, hashtag people. No, uh, no I, think, I think for me, one of the things that really came through that was fascinating, and it again goes back to our earlier discussion around the CIO, the changing role of the CIO, and sort of everything is about business process, business capability, as opposed to IT. I think there's a really strong view that it's, it's about everybody having a view of the customer and everybody working toward not only understanding what that means, but figuring out how to work together more effectively to make that happen. And, you know, it's interesting because talking to Romain Pell, the CIO of, of Mars, for example, they would not have been able to stand up Treat Town if they hadn't already yeah, right. had right. a group that was really designed based around yeah. Customer input, direct consumer input, Nicole, and, and that's hundred sprints in a hundred days is what Mars Wrigley's doing. That is crazy. Yeah. So that yeah. is amazing. All right, well, we are out of time. We could be talking for hours. Um, we'll be seeing you guys live as anchors on the Constellation TV show. Uh, it's going to be fun. We'll talk about that somewhere in December. Uh, we're here with Nicole France, Vice President and Principal Analyst at Constellation Research. Liz Miller, Vice President and Principal Analyst, and of course, you can follow her at LN France and. Liz K. Miller, you can follow both ladies and, of course, get their insights on Twitter. Snarky, snarky. 
What? No, never. Stop. Only oh, snarky, insightful. You guys decide which one's which. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Brilliant. Happy Friday. Brilliant is how I would say it. Uh, yeah. Ray, you know, this is, so you're the luckiest CEO I know because you built, you built a great company and it's because you have great people. And everyone that works for you is equally smart, maybe even smarter. And I They're mean smarter. that you know, as a compliment. Everyone's smarter. <laughs> I'm feeling dumb these days. That's, that's, that's the challenge. I got to keep up. You definitely have amazing, amazing team. Okay, next week, episode 213, we have Michael Yock, co-founder, CEO of BI Brains with a Z. We have Ed McLaughlin, uh, President of Operations and Technology at MasterCard. And we have Jason Bressler, Executive Vice President, Chief Technology Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Uh, big brains next week. So bring your popcorn and it'll be another incredible show of wisdom. Ray, your final comments this week has been a long week uh, for all of us. Um, any, any, any well, we, want, we want your vote. Not in that way. We want your vote now. We've got three brand oh, yeah, logos that are out there on Twitter on at Disrupt TV Show. Check out the Twitter page. We're trying to update our logo. We're going to do something interesting for the next year. Uh, so take a look. There's three there. We want to hear your opinions. And of course, uh, definitely check it out. Vala and I will both be tweeting that out over the weekend. So you get a chance to take a look. Um, we're kind of curious what that is. Other than that, have a wonderful weekend and hope every day is not like Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, bye.